2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Welcome to the Death Alive podcast. My name is Richard Young, and uh, you're listening to a podcast about they're just stories, testimonies of people who have gone uh, from death to life, meaning they've gone from dead in their sins and transgressions to alive in Christ. And uh, man, this is, I think, episode 39. Don't quote me. I'm not even, I should know, but I'm not looking at the thing. And we're, we're wrapping up. We've got a few more episodes to go in this, in this first season. And I have just been so blessed this week to hear about people that are getting just a life and more understanding through listening to this podcast. And so I know a few weeks ago, I asked you guys to share the podcast. And I believe that that is the sharing has been blessing people. And like I say, I, I usually don't tell people to look at my stuff or whatever. Like, please look at my, you know, you don't want, please someone look at my Instagram or someone look at this tweet. But I really want people to listen to this podcast. And I really want it because the stories are so powerful and there's so much life. And it has the ability to to get someone to say, hey, what what is going on here? And Maybe this can be true for me as well. Uh, Death to Life Bible Study, 1.30 Central on Tuesdays. Uh, the Bald Eagle, Tyler Morrison, and myself, we host that mug. Last week was incredible. The week before that was incredible. And all the weeks before that, incredible. So uh, if you're not doing something at Tuesday at 1.30 Central, jump on. If you are doing something Tuesday, 1.30 Central, cancel that and jump on. And today's podcast is with my man, JB, who has been coming to our Bible study for, I don't know, since the beginning. And uh, here's something embarrassing. I don't think anyone else calls him JB. I, I call him JB. Maybe somebody else does. But when I was like, let me try to get a hold of this guy to see if he wants to record a podcast with me, I I didn't know his name I I because I've just been calling him JB. I was like, it's, I know it's... Jonathan, what is the last name? But I ended up finding it. And uh, we're about to record this podcast here in about a few minutes. So I haven't recorded with him yet. 
but I know it's going to be the bomb. And I'm so grateful that you guys are listening. And um, yeah, love y'all. Buckle up, strap in. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? El que quiera ven a ver, esta vida es nueva Sigue, búscame, lo que tengo te lo doy Lo que ves es lo que soy, hasta que me apague Sigue, sabore, vamos a romper el El que quiera ven a ver, esta vida es nueva Sigue, búscame, lo que tengo te lo doy Lo que ves es lo que soy, hasta que me apague Ya sé que me buscan por allí Pero yo me atrevo a que tenga que sufrir but I was a hard kid and wouldn't let people know that I was insecure. So I, I portrayed something that looked like confidence, right? Because I remember, I remember when I was in elementary school, <clears throat> people would, um, I was a very emotional kid. Hmm. And, and if, when I started getting labeled as an emotional kid, like, ah, Jonathan just crying over there. Cause he got, he got he got beat in dodgeball because I was very athletic, right? And so if I got beat, mm-hmm. that hurt that hurt hard. All my identity was wrapped up in in my athleticism and able to um, <clears throat> play sports and and you know beat people at things. So when that identity got crushed as a kid, I remember I'd get real emotional. Like I had a sportsmanship issue, um, <laughs> and and that that definitely carried it over. I remember even even as a senior in high school, you know you know the last year. Did you play basketball in high school? I did. I played through high school and college, yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. So did your coach, after the last game, bring you guys all together uh, your senior year and, and tell you something real touching and meaningful and, and what he sees in you? It, our it's last like game classic- of the season? Yeah. Our, our last game of the season, we won the championship, so it was like super exciting. But when I was oh, okay, coaching, okay. when I was coaching, when we lost, whenever and we we always lost the last game of the season. Unless you're the champion, you lose the last game of the season. I would never right, talk right. about the game at all. I would just pull the team in and I'd be like, <laughs> "Hey, I want to thank you, seniors." And I'm crying. I want to thank you, seniors, and I love you, and and you put so much hard work into this program, and in the years to come, the rest of the team is going to benefit from it. And so I would make it an emotional thing as I was coaching. Um, but yeah, 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 it was, it was tears everywhere. No, I just, so with that, I remember my coach, he, um, went all around the room and talked to each one of us my senior year and we had just lost the championship game. Right. And mm-hmm. he said, Bradshaw, you're, you're, you know, and he said a bunch of positive things about me, but then somewhere in there, he just dropped in and you hold a chip of emotion on your shoulder. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ugh! I need to, I need to make sure that people don't see emotion. Right. And, and I would say that very much was a narrative throughout, throughout high school for me. I remember when I was in, um, my freshman year, my, yeah, it was my freshman year of high school. I wanted to portray somebody that wasn't, wasn't an emotional person or, or was just, you know, confident in who he was. And I remember saying something to this girl that, that we didn't really like each other. And so we were kind of mean to each other. And 
And at one point, she had said something to me that actually hurt my feelings. And so I had this opportunity to drop in a comment and say something back at another point in time. And she's like, dang, do you, do you hate me? And I was like, no, but in my head, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Right. (laughs) But it was this sense of, it was this sense of, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I can choose who gets to see the inside of Jonathan and who doesn't. Right. And I picked my friends that way. And then, and then kind of became something that at least in my mind was, um, yeah, it's, it was, it was, it was a way that I protected myself growing up, you know? So this, this insecurity, where, Mm -hmm. where do you believe that it came from? You just, just a guy trying to be a guy and the world telling you that this is a guy and then the world telling you that this is a guy and you're trying to, and then your buddies and then your parents and the church are all trying to like, Tell me, where's this insecurity coming from? Yeah, I mean, just, I guess, thinking that I was never enough. I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, I think at the end of the day, all insecurity, it's got to just come from not believing that you're loved. Mm. Right? And so... And so you act in a way that tries to fill a hole that, that God says has already been filled. And then you just don't believe it. And I, I mean, I think that's just kind of at the root of, of insecurity. And I, and I'm trying to think of specific examples for why that would be, but I, nothing's coming to mind except for, yeah, I, you know, I, growing up, you just, you just don't know who you are and you're trying to navigate that and figure it out. And so when, when you're listening in Bible class or you're going to church or you're, cause like you were telling me, you're grew up at the religious background. Those were mm-hmm. nice things. And if you were sad, someone might say something about it, but it wasn't, it didn't just become who you were at this point. It was just something over here that was nice. What do you mean? It didn't just become who I was. Like it wasn't your identity as a child of God, right? At this point, as you're mm-hmm. growing up, no, no, definitely not, dude. God was cool. Like I remember hearing some stuff that later on made so much sense, right? And there was definitely people in my life that that shaped a worldview that let me believe that God was real, mm. but it didn't have a grounding place in my life. Like one of the coolest things that that anybody did for me growing up as far as my concept of, of who God was and, and what he actually, yeah, of who God was, is was my sophomore year, our Bible teacher took all of the students uh, in the class. And it was like at the end of the year, it was like his last thing that he was doing. And he said, okay, he's like, as far as how close you think you are to God, if the left side of the room is, um, is as far away from God as you can be, right? You like literally don't believe God exists. And then the other side of the room is like, yeah, like you couldn't be closer to God. He said, I want all of you guys to go and sit where you think you are in relationship to God. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, like, I remember thinking like, well, I believe God exists, but I, I don't really think that, that, that holds any weight in the way that I, that I act right. In the way that I do things. Um, and so I remember I sat right in the middle of the room cause I was like, well, that seems pretty easy to choose the middle and, and sit in the middle <laughs> of the room. 
And he goes to each kid and he asks them and he talks to them. And it was cool because he didn't try to change what they believed or change, you know, try to like preach them into something or he just said, he just, all he was there to do was identify what they believed. And I remember when he came to me, he said, he said, well, I don't remember exactly what he said, but the questions that he asked was, you know, if you, what do you think your relationship to God is? And I said, well, I know he exists. I don't know what to do with that. Mm. Right. Like I can't imagine, I can't imagine a being or, or, or everything being created out of nothing. Right. And like now, and now I know like, yeah, it got created out of God's imagination and he had you in his imagination before the world began. So you've always Mm. existed in the mind of God. Like that's crazy. But, mm. but at the time I was like, yeah, I believe that all of this stuff has to be here for a reason. And the things that I grew up hearing about the concept of who God is, they've got to be real, but it's got no place. I, it's got no place in me. And he said, you know what you are then? Oh, oh tell me. <laughs> He's like, you're agnostic. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, yeah. If that's, if that's actually what you believe and you're trying to navigate this thing, and you don't see where God is. He's like, that's that's the same thing as an agnostic. Like they're not willing to say that God doesn't exist, but they aren't. They don't. You know, they're not figuring it out. And I was like, oh, that's that's crazy because no one's actually ever told me what that line of thinking actually means. And uh, I remember that that was heavy on me. Like I, I just remember, I just remember throughout high school that definitely shaped. Like I was like, wow. So there's something I haven't figured out, and I don't know what it is, and and through high school, it got really draining to try to continue to figure out what that was. So I stopped trying as much. Right. And it, it, I don't know, like the God concept in my life just kind of fell away. Did you feel guilty when you did things that you know you shouldn't do? And did you wonder why you felt guilty? Oh yeah. 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 I remember I started it depends on what it was, right? Right. But yeah, yeah, there would be guilt about things. There would be guilt about things that I did that I thought was wrong. And and um I I didn't know what to do with that. Like I I remember my freshman, no, my sophomore year, I got caught. We had school. This is crazy cuz like you got to be well, I'm not I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I got caught with porn on my laptop Mm -hmm. and we had school laptops. So like, obviously, (laughs) and they monitor these things in in high school and like, man, like, what do you, what do you think it do anyway? So I got caught with that. And I remember going in and, and it was one of those mindsets where, where, you know, you would do something like that over and over. And every Mm -hmm. time you'd be like, ah, but it's the last time it's the last time. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. like, cause, cause you knew there was something in you that didn't want to do it, but you did. And, um, I remember I got caught and I got asked to come in and talk to the vice principal and he sat me down and, um, you know, all he did was prescribe a plan to stop doing it, which obviously mm. didn't work. <laughs> like, like you could tell someone, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really the same thing that, that I had already been, um, trying to do, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a different strategy. And we've got all we've had all the strategies in the world. Those of us who have uh 
struggled with pornography, you can have all the strategies in the world and they might work here and there. Yeah. And God bless this man. He probably was just like, well, we got to get a, a, a strategy here and trying to help out, but didn't, didn't have the thing that could actually help you. Yeah. Out. He's, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny too. Cause like you see the heart in people and that they, they always want to help you and stuff like that, but they, it, it, it doesn't necessarily work if there's no life in it. You know, if it's just trying to get you to quit something, that ain't it. <clears throat> Did you know that, like, the reason that you knew that was wrong was because that you actually believed that, like, God had, like, that God didn't want that for your life? Or was your agnosticism or whatever you oh. believed about yourself still yeah. just like... Yeah, I had no idea. There's no, there's no connection there, right? There's, there's absolutely no connection. Yeah. So, as you're going through huh. high school and and you're you're trying to deal with that and the guilt of that, and I don't think that is anything different than what most people, most guys. That I don't know how old you are, but if you were born at a certain time and that you ended up getting high-speed internet before your youth. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I've, I heard, I've that... heard you say on one of your podcasts, it's, I'm glad I was alive before the internet was a big deal at that age. <laughs> oh, man. Like, that's got an impact. Oh, for sure. Like, if you listen to Addison's podcast, where he really goes into depth about uh, pornography, like, he was born uh-huh. at a later time than I was, and... Yeah, like, like I said that pornography yeah, I'm was. So, internet yeah, that's thing. you're right in the wheelhouse of it being crack when you're like yeah. the internet's high speed <laughs> enough that um, right. it's it's a killer. Where I got in trouble once at a Barnes and Noble, like taking a Playboy out of the 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 uh, <laughs> the plastic. And putting it inside yeah. of a Rolling Stone magazine, because this is when Rolling Stone had the bit. You probably don't even know that they used to have oversized magazines. And I would, and I put that in it. And I went to, I don't know what section of the store to look through the Rolling Stone, which was actually a Playboy. <laughs> and then the, the, the worker at the Barnes and Noble caught me. And I vowed to never oh, cool. step foot in the Barnes and Noble ever again because I was so embarrassed. But that was the level, you know, this is, you know, the time I'm growing up. And now, like, that kind of pornography isn't even around because it's not, it, like, it, it's yeah. not what people are Man, looking you got, for. You got, you got caught by the, by the worker. And yeah, they, it was and a lady. Care? Yeah. <laughs> Mortified. It's like, dude, it's your store. Oh, yeah, and my like my sister and my mom were in the store somewhere, and they, I I never told them this story. I'm like, hey, guess what? <laughs> that lady caught me looking at what she thought was a Rolling Stone, but it was actually porn. No, I was just like, hide it in my heart and throw it in the bottom of the ocean. And if my parents oh, yeah, ever want to go to this, talk about this... that to anybody. <laughs> No, and I'm like, and if they ever want to go to that Barnes and Noble ever again, I'm not going in. I think I went in the next week, and probably tried to do something <laughs> similar. 
but yeah, like the oh whole point gosh, is so praise the Lord that I mean, I still had my struggle, but pre- like it just would have been it's there's different there, there's differences. Um and you know, I mean, we're talking about this when when I was in the middle of this thing and I believe like I was this thing like i am an addict i actually mm-hmm. bought a, a bought a book and it was about addiction and i'm starting to read the book and i was like oh because it got it's got it got super dark and it's about the mind of an addict and where they'll go and what and how addiction works and it got so yeah. crazy and so dark and i wasn't relating to any of it I was just so angry at myself for even whatever I was dealing with. But it was like the first level is this. Then the second level is visiting a prostitute. And the third level is da 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 And then you leave your family. And, and I was like, oh, oh, I'm on the path to this. And I'm on the path to that. And so, and I don't know how we got to this point. But what I'm saying is like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, this is good. Yeah, this is, this is exactly it. Keep going. Sorry. Well, yeah, but this is like. And I don't know what your experience was, but I'm betting that, like, because you came around with higher speed internet. I mean, <laughs> I saw a tweet today on the internet that someone said, "I think we've uh, we've seen everything about the internet, and it and the sum totality of it is bad." <laughs> and I was just <laughs> like, and I'm like, you know, we're on the internet right now recording a podcast, so there's there's good to yeah that, to, yeah. that can come from it. But um, yeah, like that's what yeah, it, it it was deadly. That's so interesting. It was mm-hmm. deadly. Did but you I, ever? I, did you ever ahead. watch? This is this is off topic. This isn't even the story, but it is interesting. Did you ever watch the documentary, The Social Dilemma? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I I didn't finish it because what I realized in that, and this is, I mean, this is the same cycle as condemnation and addiction is. All it was doing was positioning you as the slave to the machine that is like big tech, like Facebook and all these things, right? right? And I was like, man, I don't actually believe that's what I am. Like, this is just a bunch of death. Like, I can't believe that. And I, I couldn't actually, I couldn't actually finish it because it's it just like that book you were reading. Like, it's a, it's a big cycle of you're, you're, you're just going to continue to go down this path of, of nothing. And then at some point you're going to end up there. It's like, well, that's that's crazy. So this guy who's this vice principal who's sitting with you, like yeah. if I if I'm the vice principal and someone comes in to me and they're like and they got caught looking at something they shouldn't be looking at, I would try to make the point that they're not that. Like you're not an addict. You're not mm. this mistake. Like. There is hope, and I can tell you about exactly what the hope is, but I don't want you to believe that this is you. And it would probably go right over the kid's head. But the whole thing about any kind of addiction that we're dealing with is that in, in any kind of good thing that we do or any kind of success or failure, and we have to separate our performance from our identity, whether that's good or bad, and have our identity rested in this one thing. But, like, 
it became my identity and i'm not not you're about to tell me what what your identity was but that's what became my identity and so i believed the worst yeah. about myself yeah yeah that's pretty much it and it's funny he didn't i don't remember him saying anything like that but i do remember the way that he treated me was not according to a mistake that i had made following that if that makes sense so so I don't remember what the heck he said in there. I remember him trying to tell me, oh, yeah, you could just do this and do this and get an accountability partner and you'll never do it again kind of thing. And and I I just didn't – that didn't have any landing place in my heart. But, but what I did see afterwards is he never – you know, they didn't get me in trouble on any level. They, he, just, he just loved me after that. Like it wasn't anything, anything to do with and I just kept on. But, yeah, definitely, definitely shaped – I guess my identity in that you're stuck in something, you know, and it would, it, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so as you're continuing forward and you're going through that, uh, I mean, what happens next, man? Hmm. What happens? I mean, that's high school. High school happens. I get in a relationship, uh, my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. And I, I did not date anybody until that point. And I remember thinking that all through high school, I remember thinking being in a relationship with somebody is the promised land. Like once I get a girlfriend, right? Same. Like, like it, it's game over. And I remember my senior year in high school, I started dating this girl and we had been really, really tight all through high school. And for the next two and a half years, actually, we didn't even start dating. No, we did. Yeah, we dated. Yeah, at the starting the part way through. But all mm-hmm. of my identity through through uh, from sophomore year through I don't know the next four or five years was was wrapped up in having a relationship with somebody. And then I did I did get that thing the senior year, and that that kind of carried into. Uh, the next few years where my identity was wrapped up in this pretty girl that I was dating and I thought she was incredible. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then what happens when you find your identity in someone else is that you actually need them to, to, to be a certain way for you to be okay. And so I was only ever doing as good as like our relationship, I suppose was going. Uh, And both of us were, I don't know. Yeah. She was, she was, she was great. Like, but we definitely were not very compatible people, but weren't willing to, to accept that, you know, along the way. Um, yeah. When you yeah. date and that long, I would say, there's a yeah, fear, right? Isn't there a fear? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What, what do you mean by fear though? Like, I, I know what I have in my head, but what are you thinking? Like a fear of breaking up? Yeah, so when I worked at Union College, I worked at Union College for nine years, but I was there for 13 years, including me work going to school and then working okay. there for, for nine years. So I saw yeah. the cycle of dating relationships three times. Okay. So I would see, like, <laughs> sometimes you would see young people and they would get together their freshman or sophomore year or even maybe coming in dating from academy or something like that from and 
mm-hmm. they didn't know anything besides each other. And they would, mm. we would joke about it, but we would see them in the ad building or in the girls' dorm lobby, and they would just be staring into each other's eyes. And they, a lot of the time, they didn't make a ton of new friends because they were finally away from their home or their academy, and they were just like, oh, we can just be us. And they got into these relationships, and so much of the time, senior year, second semester, Christmas break comes around, and there is this awful breakup for these long-term dating relationships. <laughs> and and it's the there's the there's the the fear that was keeping them together through that time. Yeah. If they really didn't like each other was well we've been together so long, what would we do without each other? And then yeah. there's the yeah. new fear. And the new fear is in your senior year and you're like, "Wait, hold up." we might actually have to be together for the rest of our lives. Like if we're both graduating and we both have jobs, like there's no excuse for us to not get married, but we don't want to marry each other. And now I've wasted all of this time and there's other people here that I could have dated and you get so scared and then you break up. And for the people that have been around and seeing that, you're like, yo, such and such broke up. I can't believe they would break up. They they they've been together since junior year of high school, you know. But they got scared. <laughs> right, right, right. The 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 fear and Dude, it was that's and so it's funny. obviously fear. Yeah, yeah. You Go ahead. you just described what. So the first that first scenario you described, like the fear of not being together, was a hundred percent the world that I lived in, right? <clears throat> and uh, and. For her, I would definitely say the fear of I'm going to be stuck with this this guy for the rest of my life was absolutely where she was at, right? And and but but she she was she was a kind-hearted person, so she didn't want to hurt Jonathan's feelings, right? And so mm-hmm. she was stuck in this what she felt like was trapped because she wasn't going to hurt me because she liked you know. She loved me in a way that I I wouldn't want to hurt the guy. And then and then I was so sure that this was the this was the relationship that was going to go through the rest of my life and I found out all of my identity in that thing. And so uh yeah, when when you let that manifest to the point of of chaos, it's a pretty nasty breakup. And uh it actually happened I was working dude, I worked at a summer camp for years. Uh, which was the best thing ever. But mm-hmm. uh, we were working at a summer camp that summer. And uh, one of the rules rules that they have at this camp is like, okay, if you're in a relationship, wait, and you know you want to break up, just wait till the end of the summer. Like, don't make it <laughs> something that we have to deal with in the middle of camp. Like, don't rock the boat that is the machine of camp that's running, right? And um, yeah, she couldn't do it. Because we were in such a bad place, and I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna muscle through this thing, and and it's gonna it's gonna last forever, and uh, we'll be miserable together, but we'll be together, right?" This is this is this is twenty year old Jonathan. I don't even think I was twenty twenty one yet. Yeah, and uh, and she was like, "Dude, I need out," and so she broke up with me at the beginning of the summer. Oh no! Which completely crushed my soul. But it was okay because there was a bunch of kids there, right? Like, and I could, I love kids, man. 
kids are the best. So I just played with the kids all summer and like, like, you know, you cry yourself to sleep cause your, your heart's crushed. And, um, I don't, I mean, it was nuts. And then, and then on top of it, like, like nothing, nothing against her, but she, she found another, another man that she liked that summer. And I was seeing this happen before my eyes and like this summer of drama and relationships. And, and I just remember like, it was a dark summer for being at a summer camp with a bunch of kids, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. That's yeah, that heavy, crazy. bro. It's, That's heavy. It's, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny too. Like when you, when you're, when you're at that place, and you see this stuff. Have you, you know, you know, when you listen to a song, especially after a breakup and every song was like, that was meant for me. Like, that was, that was a hundred percent the reality that I was living in. <laughs> like, I remember a Jesus, you know, I'm trying to remember what the song was, but I was like, I was like, she could come back. Like Jesus came back for me. <laughs> you know, like it, just like the the craziest illogical thinking and, and mindset. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, that is sad. So <laughs> so so then what was it's the funny plan to look back that? on it? Yeah, that, that oh, it's, so, like that summer where my heart was broken into a million pieces. That's hilarious. No, I it's funny because <laughs> we're we're new, but man, that forms us, doesn't it? That stuff formed us. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. and in the wrong way well, and I, right well and i remember because especially when you're when you're 18 19 20 you know and you're in a relationship like that um you know now if i was in a relationship for a year and ended up coming out of it like at least i'm 26 so that's only a 26th of my life but 18 19 and 20 you know two and a half years of out of 20 years, that's, I'm not, that's a, that's a, that's a bigger portion, yeah. you know? Yeah. So your life experience and your shared experience and everything that you've done for the last two and a half years is so wrapped up in one person and they're pulled out of your life because they decide that you're not supposed to be together. That screws with you, you know? And I remember, I remember being like, dude, I don't even know what the heck to do anymore. Like I can't actually think of a memory at least in the moment that that was outside of this this relate it was just it was just yeah it was a mess <laughs> so uh, you had built your future around this thing working out and so when it doesn't work out yeah you were looking into the future and you're just like oh that that i have no idea anymore yeah 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 and I remember that summer, though, this the next step. Yeah. I remember that summer. I was like, dude, kids are the best. I love kids. I'm going to go be a student missionary and teach kids. So that was the next, that was the next thing, right? Like, I was like, well, I, and so I found, you know, I was like, that's, that's what I'm going to go do. And yeah, you kind of, that's true. You have to reshape your future. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Where'd you go? <clears throat> um, so it was a year later. Or no, did I go to school that whole year? Jeez, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was two years after, but that that, that ended up being the next thing I did. I went to um, Palau. I was a student missionary in Palau. Taught seventh grade. Pretty, How did that pretty, go? 
Oh, it was, the, it was, it was like the best five months of my life. So I went halfway through the year. They needed a teacher, uh, cause they, someone left or something. And, and I, in college, I was trying to, um, make sure that I graduated by a certain time. So I was a quarter behind from graduating, um, you know, at the end of an academic year. So I said, well, I'll go to BNSM for two cement, two quarters, and then come back and finish out my full year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, what, what was the question? Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it was the best, uh, five months of your life. So you oh, come back from that. Yeah. It, now at this point, you're nearing the end of college. Were you still agnostic yeah. mm-hmm. or had God? Showed no, himself? no. Dude, I think I think when I started working at camp after after high school, I remember when I interviewed for camp um my senior year, they asked me the first question they asked was, "Do you have a relationship with God?" Which is an appropriate question, I suppose, for someone that's going to work at a camp that teaches kids about God, you know. <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, I started having a relationship with God last week." <laughs> <laughs> And that was my answer. And they're like, you're hired. Um, yeah, they just, you know, it, it, they're, they're really cool directors. They, they kind of, uh, they know kids are trying to figure things out and they, they actually see that their ministry is, is more staff than it is the, than it is the campers, right? They pour into staff who pour into campers, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Camp Idahaven, but it's a it's a legit camp. They're pretty cool people. So their ministry is staff, and they're like, "Yeah, if a kid says he's trying, like, we'll bring him in. We'll show him what's up." So that was awesome. that was kind of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so you're 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 starting you're you're walking with through camp experiences because there's so much God. There's so much you know, that's, that's the focus in a, in a summer camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you're moving Dude, away yeah. from being agnostic. I, sure. Yeah. I would say, I don't know whatever agnostic means, but yeah, I, I, I remember seeing kids getting pumped on something that was being set up front. And there was things that'd be said and I was like, this is good, right? This is, but it, it never, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it didn't have a landing place, but it never, I mean, I didn't know what I didn't know, you know? Sure. So I was like, this thing must be real. I can tell a kid all day that God loves him, right? That's not hard to do. I heard that my whole life and I didn't understand what that actually meant. Um, so so as far as talking with kids and, and stuff like that, that, that was what it was. And that was what I carried when I, into when I went to Palau. Um, I was like, yeah, God loves you. Like I can tell kids that all day because he's got to, you know, there's got to be something about that. Um, but that didn't mean that transformation had happened in my life, you know? Right. So you graduate from college. Did anything happen in between that that was transformative or made you think differently? Or you're just graduating from college and you're like, what's next? Yeah. So I graduated from college and I remember, um, I had no direction, right? 
I was planning on being a physical therapist and I was going to go to PT school, but I didn't, I don't even, I don't even think I applied my senior year of college. I was like, I'm going to take time off. I got to retake a few science classes and get my GPA up to where I know that I'll get, get, um, accepted and I'll figure things out. So I, I, I got graduated from college. Um, I went and lived at home with my parents and, uh, I got a job working. I applied to a bunch of jobs. I remember, and this is a 20, this is the end of 2018. So, but I, yeah, I graduated. I, I got a job working in a psych hospital, um, like a mental health institution. Like, you know, people are, they, they're struggling with addiction they're struggling with all this stuff. And this, and, and at the time, like, I was such a broken person and I didn't understand why, but I was just struggling through this life, trying to figure out what the heck was, you know, was next, right? You gotta, you gotta make a future for yourself and, and uh, do the next, the next inevitable step, right? So in my mind, that meant you go have a career and you make a lot of money, you figure out a way to do something, something like that, right? And then, and then, um, um, And then you what retire, was, uh, and that's that's what, the that's the whole life. <laughs> what was the brokenness? Was the brokenness? I had a future. I now I'm not dating that girl, or I'm still struggling with this thing that I don't want to struggle with. What What did you think was as you're going into this new job? Was the thing like, man, I'm I'm not feeling it. Yeah, I don't know. Is it going into? I yeah, that's a good question. It was just dark. Yeah, that that is the best way to describe it. It was just dark, and it's interesting because the job that I went and got was also just um. Sack my computers. Hot. And and then and then the job that I went and got was more of the same darkness that that I had already been experiencing. So, and this is this is where I just remember <clears throat> I remember when I started working at this job uh I I started to see two distinct groups of people. And I remember I remember just in general in life at the time, like I just I just felt so alone, right? Like yeah. I there was there was no direction that I had in my life. You graduate from college and in college you have all these friends, you have all these people around you. Um you do, you know, you you have you have a social life and you graduate and then you go live with mom and dad again while you're, while you're figuring things out for the next year and, uh, trying to, trying to navigate this thing. And, um, it was just, it was just a sense of loneliness. So I started to look for a place where I could be around people that I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. But in the job I started, I started to notice something that was 
a, like it was it was a two different groups of people that turned out to be the same, right? So there's all these people that worked in that worked in the psych hospital uh, telling these other people that were on the other side of it, um, you need to get your life together. And there was all these people on the other side that were living this life that was broken. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, they were living, they were living lives that were broken and they knew they were broken. And that's why they had like checked themselves into somewhere like a psych hospital and all that they were getting told to do was to do better. And I started seeing like patterns cause you have people there that are, that are, that are self-proclaimed addicts. Right. And then, and then you have the people that are telling these patients, you need to get your life together. And they're struggling with the same things that the people who are addicts are struggling with. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time, Oh, this is something that I left out. I started after, Oh geez, th- there's a lot there. So after my senior year, or I'm sorry, I remember I started, I started messing with just, we, we called ourselves experimental drug users in college, mm-hmm. right? We were just like, sure. like, it was just interesting to, to, to take something and, and we kind of like, how does this affect you? And then, and then it's the classic, like, oh man, drugs, drugs feel good. Like, you know, smoking mm-hmm. weed every weekend or, or whatever. That's, that's a, that's a great thing. Um, and I remember I went to Palau and my life got cleaned the heck up, right? Like, like so cleaned up, I didn't even drink caffeine. And when I did drink caffeine the first time after, after, you know, months of not, I was like, wow, wow, that's nuts, right? Like, that's like the stimulants that I used to take when I was, when I was doing all that stuff. And then that my senior year, when I came back to, um, when I came back to Walla Walla, that was where did I say that's where I went to college? I figured, but if people oh, don't know, <laughs> they know now. <laughs> they know now. Yeah, my senior year when I came back to Walla Walla, I remember like, oh man, I'm not gonna mess with that stuff anymore. Cause I had such a good year in Palau. Like I had like a like a like my life got put together. I was a motivated person, right? Like all these all this stuff that 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 when you're around a bunch of people who are, who are moving the same direction, as far as like, this was a ministry for kids and we're all teachers and, you know, you find your identity in something that's hanging out with a bunch of kids. Like that's fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it gives you a sense of direction. And I came back without any direction. And I remember, uh, yeah, there's, there's a point where me and a, me and a friend decided, ah, let's, let's try you know, taking whatever it was again. And I remember in my mind, I thought that I had crossed a line that I couldn't come back from. Hmm. Um, and so the rest of that last year there at Walla Walla, like it led into a crazy pattern of addiction that just got darker and darker and darker. And I remember even, even at graduation, like I had not been in such a dark place before. <clears throat> And then was that carried it, over into, yeah. Was it anything heavier or was it pretty much just you're stoned all the time? Dude, stoned and then, and then you know, when you're trying to get good grades, you got to take the the drugs that get you, get you to focus. 
Sure. Adderall. Or, um, I don't know what it is. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was just, it was just a lot of both of those and it would escalate to a point that, I mean, this gets, this gets into while I was working in the psych hospital, but you take so much of something like that, that your heart's pounding so fast. You're like, shoot, am I going to die of a heart attack tonight? Like, this is nuts. You know, yeah. it's, it's on that level. Um, yeah, it was bad. So, so, and that, that pattern of addiction overall was something I carried over into, um, into, uh, my job at the psych hospital. Right. And I, and I, and no one had ever told me, you know, addiction is not something that I grew up hearing about, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, it was, and, and drugs is not something I grew up hearing about. And so all of this stuff, like I had no awareness of mental health or, or, or why people do these things. And so it was just, that was where I was at. And I started working in the psych hospital and I see all these people who are struggling with the exact same thing that I'm struggling. Right. And I see what I see is, is one group of people saying, you got to fix yourself. And the other group saying we're broken and we can't. And one group of people saying, well, we're going to sympathize with them until they do fix themselves. And the other group of people condemning them for the decisions that we're making. But most of the people in this whole thing, were all struggling together. Mm. And it was, it was, it was very much the same thing that, that I was in. Right. And I was like, if this is the only thing, and this is, I mean, you start talking about the Roman seven man, like trapped in the double mindedness of, of, of the flesh. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's where I was at, like seeing, seeing all that. And, um, and I said that literally what it, what it put me into was like, if this is all that life is, is, is people on one side thinking that they're successful telling people to to fix themselves and there is literally no meaning to life. And so I'm just struggling in this thing, trying to figure it out. And that's, that's the future for me. And that was, that was, that was the dark place that I got to before, before life came. So what's that? What, what changed, man? Like, did you ever consider harming yourself or are you just like, this is bleak? No, I never, I never got on that point. I didn't, I never considered that. And even, even like I had ideas, right? Like, like suicidal thoughts, but I was like, I would never do that. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on that. I could never do that. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that, that mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, when you're, when you're, I remember one, one evening I was sitting there in my, uh, my, my parents' basement and I was sitting on a couch. There was nothing, there was nothing going on. I didn't have, there was a TV there. It was, it was turned off and I was just sitting there trying to relax and I started laughing for no reason. Right. Mm -hmm. And I started laughing for no reason. And I was like, dude, this is textbook manic behavior. And I could see it in my in my behavior, like, like I'm straight crazy, like the people in the psych hospital, but I knew that, okay, tomorrow I'll just put it together again and I'll, I'll go in and I'll, I'll be able to hold it together long enough for, um, 
so people don't see how how broken I am. And it's funny too because like I one of my buddies we were hanging out a lot at the time and I we were talking about this recently. And he was like, dang, dude. He's like, I had no idea. I was like, yeah, because when you live in shame, nobody's going to know, right? Mm. Like, like you're, you're trying to hide that thing because you're embarrassed of who you think you are. So you put on a facade that says, I'm okay. When deep down inside, like you're living this brokenness that, that is really at, at least, yeah, it's real, you know? So I, and I, and I realized in that time of my life, I was very alone. And so I started looking, you know, I heard that there was a, there was a cool group of young people at a church across town and I started going there mm. <clears throat> and it wasn't, it wasn't like I was looking for Jesus. It wasn't like I was looking, I was just looking for people, you know? Mm. And, uh, yeah, I, I met a few people that were just different and it wasn't, you know, cause I, I love activity. Right. So I'm always, I was always looking for someone like, Hey, let's go skiing or let's go, you know, let's go play basketball. And I think that's where it started was there was a group of people that invited me to start playing basketball that were connected with this community. Um, and, and a buddy of mine were, we're like best bros now, but he just started, he just started taking a special notice of me in a way that I had not seen somebody do before. Right. It was, it was, it was a selfless, you know, maybe, maybe you I've seen family do it. Um, I can think of a grandparent that has always looked at me in a way that's like, wow, I can hang around her and she makes me feel special, mm. you know? Um, but I'd never gotten that. And like my dad, my dad and I are, are bros and he's never, he's always been that guy that, that, <clears throat> that will pour into people and not expect anything in return. And he's lived that mm-hmm. my whole life. And that's, that's pretty dope, but I'd never had that quite like this from a friend. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, just started hanging out and it, and it was, you've heard of, did you, did, did you ever go to the Pleasant Valley church with the PVC church? I haven't been there. Man. I've heard a lot about it, but I've never been. Yeah. 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 So that was the church. So yeah, my buddy, Danny, started hanging out with me and then this crazy crew uh love reality came to town and i remember i remember um they were saying some wild things right like i remember sitting there one night and i just went because there was cool people there right so i was sitting there one night and uh jonathan's up there talking and he said something like yeah, you're. Do you know that you're already forgiven? And I was like, oh, oh, I never heard that before. <laughs> already forgiven. I was like, that sounds kind of crazy. That doesn't sound like, like church talk to me. You know. Uh, yeah, I remember hearing that, and I was like, boy, that that was, and that was that was literally all I heard from that night's talk. Um, I was like, dude, I'm gonna come back again when I got a free evening. And I just kept going back that weekend and I would, if I missed one, I I'd listen to some of them online. Um, yeah. And it was just crazy stuff. I was there. I was there for, uh, I remember he was, he was in there and talking with some people in Sabbath school and it was like this confrontation that happened over this, this biblical, whatever stuff. And 
And from one side, I was, I was seeing some good news. Like I was like, I was like, man, I've never heard somebody say that, that you're just, you're perfect before God. Right. And I was like, that's wild. Like if, if this dude actually believes that, that's, that's pretty crazy. I've never heard something like that. <clears throat> um, yeah. So it gets to the, to the end of the week. Wait, hold on. Oh, go Were ahead. you there where this famous BB jumps up on the chair and is so triggered by yeah. what Jonathan has said? You were in that Sabbath school? That was it. Yeah. 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 And I was like, dude, I didn't know anybody. I literally, I knew one friend in there or two people because I just started going. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah. She got real heated over something. And, uh, yeah, that was that was. You heard about that? <laughs> yeah, it's in her. It's in her podcast. She was on the podcast. She said it on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, and man. you were sitting there watching <laughs> that. But the reason you were going oh. to these meetings was just you're like, oh, they're 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 cool people, and yeah. they're saying some wild stuff. I wonder if it's true. And so at some point yeah. you're like, man, it'd be really cool if that was true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because when you're so broken that you're you're sitting there and and uh, oh man, it's starting to get good. <laughs> <laughs> well, like like you're, you're you're sitting there and you're you're so broken that that you literally. I mean, it's it's funny because we talk about this all the time, but like you're no better than your 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 worst the worst thing you've ever done, right? Yeah. And in my mind, the, I mean, like I'm, I'm legit crazy. And I actually believe that I'm crazy because I see all these people in a psych hospital and we label them as crazy. And the truth is that they're loved children of God. And if they just knew that they were loved, like their lives would be transformed. Right. Like, uh-huh. like, man. And, but, but, but I started to actually believe I was legit crazy and I'm sitting there and he's, and he's just, oh, man, it was like, yeah. Do you know that you're already forgiven? I was like, that, that is some, that's crazy. Yeah. That's some good stuff. Uh, yeah. So I just listened to this stuff all week, uh, the nights that I could go. And then I remember it was Saturday morning. My buddy and I went to the early church service. Um, and it was the last, you know, the last Saturday of the LRT thing. Right. Sure. And and Jonathan gets up there and he he says he says something wild and I was like that's that's it man like I like if someone he got up in front of everybody and he said do you guys know that sin doesn't actually exist and I was like what the heck did he just say right like he started this thing out I'm like what sin doesn't exist I've never heard that in my life and uh then he went and explained it out and he said, he said, yeah, he's like, he's like, if God actually spoke reality into existence, <clears throat> if he spoke, if what God speaks, oh man, I'm trying to remember how he said it, but it doesn't matter. Basically, if God spoke reality into existence and then you believe that you're not loved by God, <clears throat> he didn't, he didn't create, he didn't create something that says you're not loved. Um, what was it? Or sin is a lie. That's what he said. Sin is a lie. Yeah, sin, is sin a doesn't lie. exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, sin has no ontology. It, actually... 
it just starts off as a an idea in the in the oh, mind yeah. of an enemy. That gets abstract, and we right. don't know how it got right. there. We just know that he that's what he thought, and he will, and then he brings it down here, and he lies, and we believe the lie. And every time we do sin, we're just participating in that lie, but it actually has nowhere to be localized outside of like an action that we do because we don't yeah. have the righteousness mm-hmm. that the law has required. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah, that was, that was, that was what he broke down right there. Then he said something along the lines of, dude, if Jesus became sin, then how can you identify and, and died and then rose again, free from sin, like rose again, sin didn't raise up from the grave with him. Right. How can you identify with something that he put to the grave? I was like, whoa, that's, that's pretty interesting. You know? Uh, and then at the, and then at the end, dude, I grew up in church watching my dad go up for altar call after altar call after altar call. And it was funny. We were talking about this recently. Cause, cause since I, since I've got the gospel, like we've had all these conversations and he's like, man, this is some good stuff. Right. And we were talking recently. He's like, I don't go up for altar calls anymore. He's like, I got something in me that, 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 uh, I don't need to grovel anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. He said, but that, I remember yeah. watching him doing that. Yeah. 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 But I remember watching him do that growing up, going up for these altar calls, you know, like, Oh, you need to give your life to God. And, and, uh, I remember thinking, I'm never going to go up for one of those. It's weird to go up over and over for one. Right. And Jonathan just said something along. I mean, he was going nuts preaching something and he said something along the lines of like, yeah, there's, there's no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, and he's like, that's the reality that you get to live you know, from now on, I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's it right there. There's no condemnation. That's crazy. So if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation and I can live from that place. And I was like, that's something he said, if you want to receive that, come up. It was the only, only altar call I'll ever go up for ever. (laughs) But I walked up, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't not go up. I was like, that's, that's crazy. That means that God doesn't actually see me for anything that I've ever done, but he just sees me as a son. And and the unpacking of this reality over the next few months was just was just unbelievable. But I remember that that was a shift in my mindset where like like all of a sudden I was not a product of a bunch of a bunch of bad things that I had done. Um and yeah, unpacking like what that actually meant in my life over the next month or two, like, oh my goodness, you're just learning and learning and learning. And it's crazy because like, you know, somewhere it says Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. And he was just shoving this stuff, just drinking from a fire hose. Like, like, man, God is good and I'm loved by God. And yeah, yeah, that's that's where I came to life. Did you just start reading the Bible differently? Were you uh, like what I'm trying oh, to I never is... read the Bible before. <laughs> was this 2019? Yeah. What year was this? Two thousand, yeah, it was two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. So it was two thousand nineteen. So that, and, and PVC, what what time of year was that? That was in March. Early. That was March two. That day, I went back and looked a while back because I was like, I want to know what day that was. Yeah, a month previous um, to that. A month previous to that is when I had my conversation with Tyler in in the hotel room. And I'm oh, like, really? oh, I'm not a sinner. 
Yeah, it was the end of January 2019. So uh, how did you, uh, you're now you're starting to read the Bible. What else are you doing? Not really. So I remember I received that thing and I was like, that's crazy. And it just, it just sat with me, right? Like, I just remember, I remember the next few weeks being like, this is nuts. Um, but, but I didn't really, I knew, I knew that something had changed, but nothing was, nothing had changed. If that makes sense. Right. Like, like, like I wasn't in a dark hole that I had been in before, but nothing as far as my, nothing as far as what I was doing had changed. I, I didn't really dive into it. Uh, and then I remember, dude, it was like a week or two after that. Uh, one of my bros from from high school, uh, I think you're aware of this gentleman, mm. uh, died in a car accident. That's my guy, yeah. And uh, yeah, and I was like, I did not know how to handle that. And I did not, it was crazy. And then a friend of his put up something on Facebook that that hinted at that he, he had gotten the gospel and, and gotten it on a level that, I'd, that I had also gotten this thing. And it was crazy. I just remember the last thing that I did with him was in October and I had gone and visited this guy up in Spokane and, uh, we had smoked weed and we drew, drove across town together. And I remember being like, man, like I, I has a bad influence on my friend, you know, like that's terrible. And you just, you know, you think you think of where a thought pattern like that can take you, and I just remember being like, "That's crazy." Um, yeah, and then a friend had put something up on Facebook, like, "Dude, his life had changed; like something was different." And I was like, "That sounds so familiar." I was like, "I got to dive into whatever the heck that was." And um, yeah, that was when that was when all of a sudden, like, I was like, "Dude, this is this is some good news right there." I just remember Dude. thinking, like. Oh, go go ahead. Yeah, go. I ahead. I was going to say, when did it when did it connect that it was the same thing <laughs> that his life had changed because Tyler had been speaking life over him and preaching gospel to him? When did you connect? That? Yeah, I actually texted. Yeah, I actually texted Tyler, and I was like, "Bro, that's so encouraging, right? Like, that's so cool." And he's like, "Yeah, man." And he just he just kind of over text he poured into me a little bit. And was like, it's, it's, it's legit. Like it's life. Um, and I was like, I can't, I can't unsee what I've seen as far as the gospel goes. Like, like all of a sudden death was not my reality, but life was because I actually believe that Jesus was alive. And if Jesus was alive, that he lived in me. And so my, my mindset in that moment wasn't contemplating death anymore, but it was contemplating life. And, and in that contemplation of life, even amidst the loss of a friend, like I knew, I knew that he was going to be alive because he was in Christ. And, and that right there was like the, that was, that was some true hope. Like I'd never heard something like that. And then, and then I just dove deep into that and like broke that down in my life and tried to figure out what that actually meant, you know? <clears throat> and so yeah reagan died around that time uh maybe a little bit later 
And so then you're just you're just diving deeper and kind of the rest of 2019, you're just you're yeah. vibing out with it. Yeah, I had a buddy. Yeah, I I didn't really know what to what to do with this information that had been given to me, but I was in <laughs> church and and this buddy of mine that had had uh had been kind of kind of seeing me different, right? One time I was sitting there and I was talking with him. And he was talking with someone about Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8, right? Like you're free from sin. There's no double-mindedness. You're not in a you're not in a prison like like life is a gift and then all of a sudden like we live by the spirit, not by the flesh. Like we we live with every spiritual blessing poured into us and just all of the stuff he's saying, I was like, "Man, that's crazy." I was like, "Can we I think I texted him and we we started getting lunch once a week and he started just breaking this stuff down. And, um, yeah, I, I just started to believe that I was loved and, and it's never stopped. Dude. I remember, I remember I was working dude, one of the, one of the coolest things, you know, Psalms 139, where it says, uh, I knitted you together in your mother's womb. Mm-hmm. Like, like this whole, before the foundation of the earth, like you were a thought in my mind. I was in the psych hospital and it was, it was a crazy day. Like there were a few fights that had broken out on our unit <clears throat> and, um, and, and it was just hectic. Right. But there was this dude sitting in there and he was a patient in the hospital and, uh, he was sitting in there and we're just, let's just, we'll just call him Alfred. And Alfred was sitting there and he was just a picture of peace. And there's literally dudes sitting right in front of him, like fighting. And I was like, I want to talk to this guy. Right. Like I want to understand what the heck, where he's coming from. And, uh, there was a room that, that patients could go into and watch TV, but they had to have somebody accompany them there, you know, just to keep them safe. Right. And I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll go sit with him and watch TV. So we're sitting there and we're watching animal planet and it's, (laughs) and, uh, it's like it's like animal versus animal. It was weird. It was like watching sports with this guy and watching which animal is going to win in the wild. And we're sitting there and I just I just remember like this guy is different and I couldn't figure out why, but I mean, you just look at someone in a in a place like that and he's a patient in a hospital. And I said, "Alfred, like how did you get here? Because you're not you know, like you don't you don't seem like you belong." And uh, he told me this whole story about he was he was at a veterans hospital uh, and he was living there and um, he he was he was in the cafeteria and and this is not a, this is tangent but it's funny because he's a funny guy so and uh, he's like yeah he's like I was uh, he's he's probably he's probably in his sixties. Uh, and just, it looks like he's lived a hard life. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he's like, he's like, and I was sitting there and he's like, there was this nurse that came by and gave me some food and he's like, and her pocket was right there and she was really cute. He's like, so I slipped her my number on a piece of paper. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay. And that got you here. How he's like, well, he's like, they found out that it was me that slipped her my number. And he said, uh, he said, he said, so they called me in and they said, well, your punishment for, for doing that is you're going to go spend a, a month in the psych hospital. 
And he was like, are you kidding me? You know, I don't know the whole situation. But basically, he had landed there for doing something reckless that that didn't realize. I said, so why are you okay with that? And he's like, bro. He's like, you, you ever heard of Psalms 139? I was like, nope. And he said, he said, he said, you should read it. I was like, okay. He's like, but basically I'll, I'll tell you all about it. I actually believe that, that God has a plan for me and that it's not, it's not the place that I am that makes me okay, but I'm just okay. And he like broke this thing down and I was like, wow. He's like, yeah, God loves me. He knitted me together in my, in my mother's womb. Like he, he saw me before the foundations of the earth and I just live knowing that he loves me. And I was like, I was like, man, you can learn something like that from this dude. It was, it was so cool. That's where I was like, Whoa, that's a, that's another mindset shift right there. He said, I just live knowing that he loves me. Something like that. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that will change everything about how you live. Because what did you say the insecurity was? Yeah. Not feeling or believing that you're loved. And so when, yeah, yeah. when you're insecure, anything can happen. You lose a game and you'll, you'll go berserk and you'll pout and you'll yeah. lie on the ground and think that the world's coming to an end. And it's just because of what you believe about yourself and your, your ability to be loved. And then... On the other side of the coin is there's a melee and people are getting stabbed in the psych ward and you're just sitting there cooling because you're just like, yeah, I'm love. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it was. And that's, that's literally a model of how like, dude, we can live our lives that way. Right. Cause we don't even need, we don't need something for us to be okay. Cause Jesus, Jesus has filled that hole that said we weren't okay. <clears throat> So you've just been living like this, man. Um, like yeah. your your life, bro. Like we, this is the first conversation that we've had, you know, outside of the Bible study, right? But like you, yeah. you come yeah. up in that Bible study, and I'm just like, yo, this dude is just joyful. Like he is just happy. Yeah, there's just joy. Like <laughs> he he loves to hear these stories. And like you bring an energy and I think I don't I don't believe you only do this like when you're on on a Bible study. I think you probably I think <laughs> no. you probably are like this, dude. Oh and dude, it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember I remember when I first got free, uh I remember being like, Wow, I'm not holding up a facade anymore and everything that I was always trying to be was what I was created for. And so now I get to live in that reality. <laughs> You know, um, yeah, dude, uh, there was, there was some, oh, go ahead. No, you dude. I've got nothing. Oh, there was something else I was going to, going to hit. Oh, I was talking, this kind of leads into it, but yeah, I was talking with a friend the other day and I'm a big basketball fan. Right. Um, and I didn't watch. Did you watch the finals game? Are you a basketball fan? I feel like you are. Yeah, I'm a huge basketball fan. Yeah. Did and you I watch did the last game? I did. Yeah. So I was I was staying in a hotel 
ish. It was kind of like an Airbnb thing for, for work and they didn't actually have the channels. And I was like, ah, I can't watch it. I'll just go to bed. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to my buddy. He's like, dude, you didn't watch a finals game. The last game of the season. I was like, no, nah. I woke up in the middle of the night, checked my phone and I saw the bucks won, And I was like, Oh, right on. But that's about it. And he's like, okay. He's like, he's like, I said, I said, yeah, dude, I said, sports isn't my drug anymore. And, and he was like, yeah. So what is your drug? He's like, I know it's Jesus. But besides that, <laughs> I was like, no, man, that's it. Like we, we don't need something to go right for us to be okay. You know? Uh, yeah. Dude, I, I, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I feel like you were going to go down the same track and I was going to change the subject. Oh, I was just going to say, <laughs> if people know me and they saw my reaction to the Chiefs losing the Super Bowl the way they did, they have to believe God's <laughs> real. <laughs> like, oh, people were texting me, like, they were like, watch all the bridges in town. Like, the Chiefs just lost in heartbreaking fashion. Watch for Richard on these bridges. And, no, I was just like, if if you know what I used to be like, and I just told this story yeah. this week, that a, a week before this time, this 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 chance that Tyler and I had this conversation in the hotel room, maybe maybe it was a week or two weeks before. Um, yeah, I'm at the AFC Championship game, Arrowhead Stadium with my two friends. You were at it. I was at it. It was the only Chiefs game I went to that year. And like the Chiefs are hosting the the AFC championship game for the first time in the history of of the Kansas City Chiefs. And we're like, why are like we have to be there? We're going. And so we went. And I don't know if you remember the game. I hope you don't. Patrick Mahomes brings his first (laughs) AFC championship game. He drives him down the field to tie the game right before overtime. And then Tom Brady gets three third and tens and he converts them and they drive down the field and they score on us. And it it was the most, (laughs) but before that we had gotten a interception with like two minutes left in the fourth quarter to seal the deal that we're going to the Super Bowl. And one of our players was offsides. It was a a pre-snap penalty. If this guy wouldn't have been offsides, we would have gone to the Super Bowl and we would have beat the Rams because they were garbage at the end of the season. And so we're (laughs) watching, we're walking out of the stadium and me understanding this. And this is two weeks before yeah. I'm, I'm understanding freedom. And I turn to my two buddies and I love them. And I'm like, you know, it's the silent walk out of this heartbroken stadium. And I said, by the time we get to the car, you guys better tell me something about what's good that's going on in your life. I need a complete <laughs> breakdown. I need a complete breakdown well, at least you, of at least what you knew is you going on. Good news. Oh, because when my team would lose, and my wife, she'll tell you about this, I would go into my room, and I would think about all the reasons that my life was terrible. I'm like, Chiefs lost, season's over, I got to go to work tomorrow, and I've got this thing that I don't really understand, I got this problem here, I got this problem, and I would just ruminate about all these horrible things in my life. Fast forward to two years later... And the Chiefs lose the Super Bowl in heartbreaking fashion because they got two players on the offensive line injured. And I texted my friends and I was like, guys, I'm good. I'm good. 
And if you don't, if you if if you don't see the face of God in that, then you don't know me very well, and you would be, you would have been ashamed of me Bro. as as an old sports fan. But uh, praise the Lord for uh, the finished work of Jesus, uh, because it has changed my life amidst yeah amidst uh, sports losses. Uh, yeah, they yeah. don't mean the same thing anymore, bro. Bro, that's so good. Dude, I think there's something huge. Even, yeah, I, I, the walk that we have as as believers, right? Like, like it's it doesn't mean that circumstances don't happen, or that a voice doesn't still try to tell you that you're something that you're dead to, right? Mm. Like even this week, this week I was driving in the car. I was exhausted at the end of the day, and uh, it was. I mean, it it sounds ridiculous to say it now because like it's so clear. But I was driving, and I just remember thinking like man, like life is hard. Life is hard. And sometimes it would just be easier to not be here. And then Holy Spirit goes, bro, that's not your thought. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Cause I was feeling all, all gloomy. And I was like, bro, that's not your thought. He's like, he's like, if Jesus is alive, then you have his life in you and you're not trying to muster something up. You're just good. I was like, man, that's, you know, when you when that becomes your reality, your focus is more on the love of God in your life than it is on how, how well your circumstances are going around you. <clears throat> yeah, man. So let's uh yeah. let's take it back. Let's take it back to Ida Haven. And uh okay. you uh you get this this news and um you get to talk to that guy. As he's falling asleep, as he's crying, falling asleep, and you get to go into his cabin. I don't know if you were a counselor. <laughs> I don't know if you were waterfront, so yeah, you had yeah. a different cabin. But you get to go, and you get to grab that guy and be like, bro, can I tell you something? What What do you tell that guy from Camp Ida Haven that's 19 years old that had his whole world crushed? Dude, I think I'd say something along the lines of, that love that you've been looking for is already found. Right. Like, like, yeah, like there's never a place in the Bible where, where the lamb finds the shepherd. It's the shepherd finds the lamb, right? Like he, he searches for you and then you just get to receive it. So I don't know. I mean, it just comes down to like, dude, you're just loved. And I, I make, there's a joke that I'll say like with people, I wish I'd have heard this stuff or I'd had a chance to hear it when I was like a little kid. Right. Cause there's no such thing as a junior Holy spirit. And what, Mm. what if I could have lived this whole thing since I was a little kid? Like, man, I would have liked that chance. Well, you know what? You're 26 years old. I received this when I was 35 or 36. So you got a <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you yeah. got a ten year jump start on me, and we can think about what could have happened, or we can just live out the book of Acts now, and just pour into people. Oh, let's and just let's do that second one. Yeah, let's just yeah, love yeah. people, bro. I was talking to someone this week, and they're just like frustrated about something, but they know this truth, and they have this truth, and I was just like, let's just love people. And I need to hear that sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes someone needs to tell me like, let's just just love people. And, um, that's so good. That's why we get encouraged. That's why we do this thing right here. 
That's why we do have the Bible study. That's why we don't forsake gathering. Because we're here to encourage each other and be like, yo, we get to, we have the same Holy Spirit that Peter had at Pentecost. You know, that's what you just said. There's no, he, Peter didn't have a better version of the Holy Spirit when he was preaching at Pentecost and, and 5,000 people got baptized. He didn't, ha- it's the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead that Peter had, that John had, that yeah. Paul had. And he's living in here and he's living in you. And let's go. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, some good stuff. Thanks for coming on, bro. I yeah, love man. your story, man. I love your heart, man. I lo- like your version of freedom <laughs> is just an awesome version of freedom because there's so much joy in it. So I love it, bro. That's cool. Thanks. Can't stop till we make it to the moon It's too late, can't stop it, it's a boom No, I can't, I wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive We stay alive, Hey, hey, put your hands down we ain't coming questions, yeah, we been down Creed, I am Adonis, wash the hands now Went from thinking broke to living rich now Hey, busting with the twos, you watch me slide now Hey, she look kinda bougie and she bad now Hey, mama think I made it, is you proud now? Hey, hey I'm a prince, that's Rakim, that's Rakim. 23, check the rings, FOG on my feet, on my soul. Jesus Christ set me free, set me free. Only motivation on me now is heavenly. Lot of people trying to drain me of this energy. I talked to God, told me people's not my enemies. I'm cutting ties with the spirits trying to play with me. Can't stop till we make it to the moon It's too late, can't stop it, it's a boom No, I can't, I wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive We stay alive, ayy